literary alchemists, I'm Dave Robison, and you've tuned in to a special edition of the Roundtable Podcast. Now, it's not a showcase episode, it's not a workshop episode. This is something we do from time to time when Dave gets off his lazy butt and actually goes out to conventions, leaves the studio, leaves the writer's garret, and engages with the universe, and, and happens to run across some amazing people at the conventions that are out there in the world. Uh, in this particular case, I went to Balticon 2014 uh, and... and posed a single question to a broad range of creatives and authors and people that craft fine stories in our world. And and the fascinating thing is we get to find out the answers, the unique answers from each individual to this one single question. Now, Balticon was fabulous on many, many levels, not the least of which was that I actually got to have FaceTime with the two individuals who have joined me in exploring these responses. Mary Ellen Warren and Ben Delano of the Reader Writer Podcast. My dear friends of the North, I am so delighted to have you guys with me. Thanks for joining me for this for this raucous exploration of, of, of writerly goodness. Hello, it's great to be on. Oh, we are so excited. I am super excited to be here. <laughs> well, and this was this just worked out so fabulously well, friends, because because I was asking one question, and Ben was also there with his what was it the H four Zoom that you're working with these days? H two N. It's the H two N, and he yeah. was doing his one question thing, and we found out that our questions dovetailed beautifully. So, dear friends, in 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 the context of of Marvel DC team ups of ages past, uh, this is this is where uh, uh, we're gonna record this with with Ben and Mary Ellen uh, going through my one question, and then in in the dramatic sequel to to the event, <laughs> we will pick it up on the reader writer podcast where they will uh, pose their one question and I'll join them and we'll explore it that way. This is this is like very meta, you know? Oh, I know. And and the fact that I've I've done a number of these one question podcasts as well based on the format that you pioneered with <laughs> with this at what was it Balticon 2012 I think you, it was. you started this off, right? Yep, it was and, 2012. Uh, yeah, and I I ran with it to a couple of uh a couple of other conventions and then just sent you the audio for a while. And then uh, when you guys un- unfortunately went to, went dark for a little bit, we just kind of picked it up and, and carried the one question format on on our own podcast. For and a you've while. done a and- beautiful job. You've asked some great questions and got some amazing answers. And you were kind enough to invite me back <laughs> so we could go over them together. And exactly. For, for which I am deeply grateful. Well, it's always fun to have you, Dave. And, you know, we would never say no to having you at our show. Oh, you're, you're very kind. And and the same is true. My my unique jewel of, of the round table crown. We were just talking before we got to recording that Mary Ellen Warren is probably the only person who's ever been on the round table who isn't a writer, isn't an editor, isn't a publisher, uh, which makes you a, a, a special, special snowflake, really, when you get right down to it. And I'm just squeeing like crazy. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's awesome. It's awesome. And and you bring, and the, the beauty is, Mary Ellen, you bring a, a wonderful aesthetic, uh, uh, that perspective of the reader who, who truly loves these stories. And that's a vital part of this discussion. So you have every right to be sitting in that chair just as much as, as Lou Anders or, or J. Daniel Sawyer. 
Well, it's really, really comfy. I got <laughs> we, we do it up right here at the round table. Well, let, let's dive into this. I'm, I'm ready to start with our one question. Uh, uh, and, and I'll share with you. I'll share with you listeners. Uh, my one question. Then we'll also tease you with Ben's. Uh, yes. So you get a sense about where we're going with this. My question was this. My question was, you have an idea. Inspiration strikes. And then something happens, and then you sit down and you start writing the story. What is it that happens between inspiration and fingers hitting the keyboard? So this was, this was very much a question about, uh, about story development and how you prepare and lay down that foundation for your storytelling efforts. Now, Ben, you picked up that thread un- totally unconsciously. We didn't plan this. but It was completely independent, yeah. Absolutely. And yet your question dovetails beautifully with that. Yeah, because I kind of take it from the other end of the story, uh, where our one question is, you've written your first draft, now what? Exactly. And and so you're picking it up with that, how do you deal with that first round of edits? How do you detect good stuff and bad stuff, so on and so forth? And, and, and how do you... Uh, you know, get yourself away from it enough that, uh, you know, you, you aren't thinking you're you're brilliant because you've just written this thing and, and you need to distance yourself from it a bit so you can get a, a little bit of a reality check sometimes, I think. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so looking forward to diving into the answers to that question because because that I think, you know, like all these one questions, this is very relevant stuff. So, oh, yeah. So let's dive into this. Let's get with our first uh, uh, response to our one question. Uh, and uh, top of our playlist for this evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening, uh, <laughs> is, is Paul Ellard Cooley, uh, author of the Fiends Story Collection, the Garagas Children series, the Street series, the Tony Down series. He's one of the hosts of the Dead Robot Society, and he has a brand new book out that's doing very well by all accounts, The Black. Now, now. Ben, Mariella, I know you guys on Reader Writer, you 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 read voraciously. Have you had a chance to to peruse the black yet? Uh, I'm almost finished it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is it classic Cooley goodness? Oh my god. Every time I post about it, the hashtag is Scared shitless. <laughs> oh, perfect. God, sounds like Paul really nailed it on this one. Oh, yeah. He did a good job. Well, let's let's find out how Paul uh, goes from inspiration to fingers on keyboard. Here we go. Usually when I just have the inspiration for the story, I just start writing. I always have a character that gives me a line or a feeling or I get an image. And if I get the image, then I'm working the story toward that image and the completion of the image. And of course, like any dumbass discovery writer, the image morphs and changes as you go along. So the original idea morphs and changes and in some cases becomes completely unrecognizable to what you originally thought. Uh, that's part of why I love writing the way I do and plotting out ahead of time as little as possible to get the story going. And, uh, you know, frequently when I write up synopses, they get thrown out the window when I get to the first chapter. So it's, you know, the inspiration basically moves me to write. And once I start writing, I'm going for the goal, which is to complete the story. And sometimes I have no idea what the completion is. So... It's, uh, I don't always know where I'm going. I have a general map, but it's an old GPS system, and the satellite keeps moving out of orbit. <laughs> so I have to uh, guide myself by the sun and the stars, and they keep moving around too. And the Earth doesn't always move clockwise. It's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> That's our boy, Paul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, Now, there's some interesting things that, that Paul mentions in that bit. First of all, that... It, 
inevitably, at least for Paul in Paul's process, there's a character involved. There's there's mm-hmm. a character who has caught his attention and and ends up being the spin point around which his his thoughts and considerations evolve, and and I think that's intriguing because I I don't I I think probably with most most writers there is that case but not all. I think that's that's something that uh, can be very different from writer to writer, and and also I think um, his comments are very clearly uh, a discovery writer. I think. Probably will we hear some other people that are much more, um, much more into outlining and and uh, process. So I think we're going to see quite a bit of difference in the answers to that. But I think as a discovery writer, that's probably one of the ways you go. Is, is something will something will ping, and then you just follow it. Right. Right. And, and actually, Mary Ellen, uh, <laughs> you would be surprised how many discovery writers there are in our <laughs> unique circle of friends. Uh, but I, I was able to pull a few out that weren't. Uh, but you're right. There's there, there's probably some some like like a like a I always go with the the super saturated uh, sugar jar where you make rock candy where you yeah. dissolve sugar <laughs> into into water and then stick a string in there and bam the, the sugar builds around that string and that's that core idea. Yeah. And, and I mean, it definitely um, with Paul, I believe most of er, a lot of his stories are very, very uh, character based as well. And so that that shows that, you know, he, he definitely does start with his characters first and then builds his story out from there. Absolutely. Um, whereas, you know, some other writers maybe go with the setting and, and the world building or, you know, any other uh, number of of ways that you can attack a story and and build on it from there sure well you you and i are kind of world builders first aren't we ben oh yeah definitely <laughs> definitely I, I i work with world way more than i uh work with character unfortunately and that's actually a a weakness i think uh with, with the way that i build my stories is it that I, I don't be. build enough character <laughs> it can be but but you can use that i mean being aware of that you know what whatever those spin points are eventually character will find its way in yeah. uh, you, you're just making sure the stage is dressed before they get in there <laughs> the, the other intriguing thing that paul mentioned was was you know any synopses that i write usually get pitched by the first chapter uh but the fact that he writes synopses i think is very telling uh, and and the fact that you know even as a discovery writer there is some concept of structure you 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 may not have a specific outline that you're working from but you want to have a sense of of story arc and character arc and and the issues in play and how those issues are going to be uh, uh, exacerbated and revealed in some way shape or form and I mm-hmm. thought that was very interesting yeah and and I don't think it's uncommon even for um, uh, plotters to uh, stray from their outlines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think that's an uncommon thing at all. Sure. That, uh, sometimes the characters take you somewhere else and you just have to go with them. And you kind of yeah. have to. You kind of have to. And, and, and just accept that. If you, if you follow slavishly mm-hmm. to your outline or, or your preconceptions, you're going to miss all the great fun of writing, which is, holy <laughs> crap, you're going to do that? Oh, no. Okay, fine. <laughs> let's see where this takes us. <laughs> well, let's move on. We've, uh, one of the cool things about these conventions is, is the opportunity to meet people that, that maybe you don't know or don't run in your podcast circle or audio fiction circle. And, and one of those for me was Maria V. Snyder. Uh, 
who was at Balticon, gave some wonderful panels. Um, and she's actually a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, uh, she, she wrote the study series, which was uh, Poison Study, Glass Study, and Fire Study, and the award-winning Glass series, Storm Glass, Sea Glass, and Spy Glass. And uh, she, she has some interesting takes on this process as well. Let me, let me share these with you. Between inspiration and writing the story, usually I jot down some ideas about some of the major conflict I want to have on or if um, the character has something about them that's unique. I usually write that down really quick. And then I have to put together like a synopsis for my publisher to kind of, kind of give me the go-ahead. But then once I get the go-ahead, then I usually make a list of names for characters and then I just go. I start page one and go. Yeah, I like having all my names ahead of time. So when I meet a new character, I can just go back to my list and, and pick it out. So I don't so have to names time. before plot. Yes, names before plot, definitely. Wow. Yep. Awesome. So you are definitely a discovery writer. Yes, I am a seat of the pants all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the people we don't know are discovery writers. Holy crap! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought that was interesting that uh, uh, that she writes down a list of names ahead of time, so she doesn't have to to bog herself down when she encounters a new character. Yeah, and and that's a, a certainly very interesting way to go at it because normally when I it's very rarely that I come up with a character without knowing the name first and so it sounds like she kind of develops the character and then says well here's a name on this list and boom there's there's the name for that character normally for me i develop a character and i know who they are and and what they want to do and and then i kind of tailor a name to fit them um you know i can only think of one instance where i had a name before I had an actual character, and that's because the character's name was Casey Killingsworth, so of course he was a, car- a villain, right? Um, and so, but that's the only time I think I've had the name not rely on some elements of the character that I was building. Sure. And it's really interesting, because I wonder if somewhere in the in her subconscious that name does have some kind of a connotation or, or personality to it. Yeah. And so she has a list of all these names, and when she's writing and she comes up with a character that fits that, that name, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it also is, fits that personality. Sure. I, it, would be, it, would be very, it would be really interesting to, to ask her more about that. I, I'd, be, I'd be fascinated to, to hear more about how she chooses names. I agree. It's fascinating. Well, and and keep in mind that this is the last thing she does before she starts writing. So Mm -hmm. she's been giving this a lot of thought and consideration already. She probably has an idea of of some of the characters that are coming along the, uh, down the pike. I, 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 I cannot fathom just just taking the next name on the list. I could I would imagine she she goes through and at least picks and chooses a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, well that's what I'm thinking is yeah, that she has yeah. a list of names and then she chooses the one that is the right. most appropriate for the person that she needs right now. Right. And and right? And, and with the uh you know with name generators now you can go online and find 50 name generators. You don't have to necessarily come up with it at the at at, at the ahead of time. You can just yeah. when you need it just hit the hit the refresh button until you see something that makes sense mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as, as shallow as we are, Dave, <laughs> when, you, when you hear a name, don't you automatically get a sense of the person behind that name? Oh, absolutely. Oh, right? I'm, I mean, I'm totally Brittany's, with you. What do you think of when you hear Brittany? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, Jake or, or yeah. you know, that that right so, there. Yeah. And I think a lot. I think the, I think 
that's probably a lot of what she's doing, which is really, really fascinating. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and we just interviewed Brad Bollier, who will be in the feed probably shortly after this episode drops. Uh, and he's a stickler for names. He he yeah. agonizes over these things. And mm-hmm. you know, and I'm and I'm with you. I'm with both of you. It, it, there's an emotional core to a character that you want to have invested in that name. Maybe not, you know, Casey Killingsworth. <laughs> that might be a bit on the nose. <laughs> but but you want to have that name have that that essence to it. And and the other cool thing from from Maria's response was the fact that she had to put together a synopsis for her publisher. <laughs> and this right. is this yeah. is something that you know we all hope someday we have to be burdened with to to have to write a synopsis <laughs> to get a green light from our publisher. But but even then, there's a there's a synopsis being written ahead of time, at least a framework that's defined. Oh, oh and that was I was going to say that too. You know, is it, it when you write a synopsis does that does that mean in in the strictest sense? Are you still a discovery writer? I mean, obviously, the synopsis is very brief, and it's like you know, yes, you know, this is the this is the protagonist, and this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And lots lots can happen on the way to that. Sure, um, it's probably a really long tagline. You know, yeah, or, yeah, or a back exactly. of back of cover exactly. blurb type of thing. That's, that's well, yeah, and I mean, when it comes to writing, one thing that I have certainly learned from all the authors that we've spoken to and all the authors that I've heard on other podcasts as well. Um, you know, there's kind of 50 shades of planning. There's, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, Does this involve some... a paddle or something? Well, <laughs> it, it, normally to get them to stay in the chair, it does. Um, <laughs> but, you know, generally there, there are some discovery writers that are 100%. They sit down with a blank page and they have no idea what the story is going to be about and they just the fingers start dancing across those keys and next thing they know they have a story. Um, and then, you know, you've got other people that, you know, like I know Mike Cole said for uh, his most recent book, he wrote something like a five or six page synopsis before he start, he even started, you know? Right. Right. And so he knew every, he knew, he knew every little bit of his book before. And I'm sure like Brandon Sanderson is, uh, well, no, I think Brandon Sanderson actually, uh, discovery rights a bit yeah he's a little more of a discovery but there's you know there's plenty of people that i I think you know do a very detailed plan of their their novels before they start actually writing them Mm -hmm. um but then there's a good range in between there of people that maybe write a half page or a one page synopsis before they start writing or you know people that you know put note cards up uh, on the wall and and you know go th- go that way out but they don't have like a full on you know several pages worth of of story written out mm-hmm. they just have you know note cards with bullet points type thing well and so. i forget the i forget the 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 woman who wrote the book on how to get 10,000 word days um god she's been on every right. podcast but one of the one of the t- tips that she gives is that you write out what this next scene is going to be just before you write it, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is which is kind of still basically discovery writing, but it's it's like prepping the priming the discovery pump with with some basic ideas and objectives and structures, and then you discovery with that arm, armed with that sort of rough roadmap. Yeah, yeah, you're still discovery writing within the day. Right. You're doing some planning ahead of time. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and I've also I've also heard some authors who have said that they they will give a synopsis to their publisher because they have to, sure. to get the go ahead, and the final book ends up being absolutely nothing <laughs> like the synopsis. So 
Yep. You know, and there is that when you get to the point where you have that that cred with your publisher, you can get away with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's let's roll on. We have a few more people to do here. Uh, the next on the list is is Master Jared Axelrod, uh, who, among his many many uh, gifts and talents and and skills, is a writer for the Philadelphia Weekly. He's a journalist, which is really kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's also uh, the author of the graphic novel The Battle of Blood and Ink, available at all fine bookstores and outlets, uh, and the evil genius behind the Comrade Cockroach ebook, audiobook, graphic novel fabulosity that was recently successfully and fabulously kickstarted into funding goodness. Uh, so, so let's hear what uh, Master Axelrod has to say about this process, as if we couldn't guess. <laughs> um, nothing, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Uh, usually I go right into writing. Um, I have a little notebook that I have with me at all times for just such occasions as these. Um, and uh, the the laptop is usually close at hand. So not a lot happens in between the something um, by design. Because quite frankly, it used to be that things did happen in between the inspiration and the writing down. And I would forget. <laughs> <laughs> and I would not know what these really great stories. And it still happens in the case that's like right before bed. And I'm like, I should really remember this later. And then you wake up and it's gone. <laughs> so, so between inspiration and the actual starting of the writing, you just dive right in. I just dive. I usually, yeah. Um, I have a Tumblr um, called bornofanatombomb.tumblr.com. And that's where I put all sorts of inspirational research and things, and it's all kind of cataloged. They all have tags of the story ideas. So I don't have to think about them all the time, which was a huge problem before this, is I would have story ideas in the back of my head, and I, I have trying to have that willpower, that Green Lantern discipline to start what I've, to finish what I start in one project at a time. And that's been really great, but it means that these other projects are there, simmering, um, but I have I have the notes, I have everything filed away in the right areas so I can find it later. Um, so when that, this project is done and I wanna go back to that inspiration, in that case, I have it ready and I can go right in. So it's almost as if we just go. What a shock, Jared Axelrod is a discovery writer. <laughs> <laughs> Color me stunned. Uh, but, and, and, and Jared, brings up something that I find fascinating is is the idea of his born of an atom bomb dot tumblr dot com feed where mm-hmm. where he just dumps like story prompts, ideas, things that catch in his his creative web but that he doesn't have time for. Uh, uh, he preserves them and actually kind of makes them available to the world. Hey, I think this is awesome. Maybe you yeah. do too. That's kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, I do something Sort of similar, but it's not public like that. I, I have uh, I use Google Keep on my uh, on my cell phone. Now, what is that Google I can... Keep? Um, it's a sort of a note taking app um, that uh, on Android at least you can have it as a a widget, and so you can display two or three different uh, files that you just kind of swipe over to the, on the home screen, and you can tap on which one. So I have one that's always a uh, to do list that I can, you know, put new things on and, and check things off. Um, but then I also have a, a, an ideas list as well that I can kind of pull up and I can just put in a line or two if something comes to me and then I can, and then it just automatically saves it on my phone. 
and I can go and pull that up later. I believe there's also a web interface for it, so you can go on Chrome, but I only ever use it on my phone. Okay. And then but this... it's just sort of a little notepad that you can pull up fairly quickly because it's sitting on your homepage, does it, on your does, home screen. Does it then, can you then upload it to your hard drive, to your computer, so you can actually pull those ideas into a document, or do you just reference the phone and go from there? Generally, I'll just reference the phone, but I do believe it syncs with uh, Google Drive, and you ah. can access it through Google Drive. Of course, I've, it I've does. never used it. Yeah, I've never used it that way, but I'm pretty. I, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if it doesn't. I don't think it's it could have the name Google if it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and and that's intriguing, you know. And and several of the people that we asked this question of pointed out that you know you have an idea, and then life happens, and the mm -hmm. idea goes away. And we'll hear that as a, as a recurring theme in, in some of the other answers that we have. But the idea of getting inspiration down in that moment is, is an unexpected outcome of the question that I wasn't anticipating. But you think of things like, like Pinterest uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, I suppose Instagram in some, in some degree and, and Tumblr and so on and so forth. These are wonderful, you know, some writers call them junkyards uh, uh, or, or boneyards or places yeah. where mm -hmm. those ideas are stored. For some reason, your, your creative spirit went, ooh, give me that. <laughs> uh, and and temporal reality said no that ain't happening. Uh, but you you put a pin in it and and you know, Pinterest there you go. Uh, <laughs> but you 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 hold on to that so that later when time does allow you can come back to it. Yeah, and it sounds like uh, in Jared's case it's not it's not just a single idea that he <laughs> no. you know I mean no I mean no but I mean he puts an idea in there but he may also come across something else that will fit with the idea. So he puts them both in there. So when I mean, he talks about having tags for the specific idea, so sure. he will have multiple entries for a, a particular idea. So, I mean, if he's working on something that has to be done now, but he has 8,000 neurons going off in his <laughs> head that are giving him other ideas, he can still be filing all of that. Sure. Which and, makes sense. You know, absolutely. And then click the tag, and then all of those items are there, boom, 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 mm -hmm. in a nice yeah. convenient list. Absolutely. I've, I've been doing the same thing. I know I know. Kat Rambo does the same thing when she, uh, on Pinterest with her story. She'll create a visual palette, and, and anything that catches her imagination about a specific story goes on a specific pin board. And, mm -hmm. and I've been doing the same thing with, with Chasing the Devil and, and evolving this, this world and this story uh, uh, with, with these various items. That's just, that's just a, a great creative forge tip that, uh, uh, that I, I think we definitely needs to get out there in the world. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We've got, yeah. uh, coming up next, we have Philippa Ballantyne, Pip to her friends. Uh, uh, and, and every podcaster in the world has to turn their mouth away from the mic as they say Pip. Otherwise, they get an explosive <laughs> P. Um, Pip is the author of Weather Child, uh, the Books of the Order series, the newly launched Shifted World series uh, with the novel Hunter and Fox. Uh, Chasing the Bar, Digital Magic, uh, which were two of the things that I first encountered about her in the world. Uh, uh, and, of course, <laughs> all the fabulosity over at the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences uh, that she curates, contributes to, and manages with her, with her, her good companion, Master T. Morris. Uh, so let's hear what uh, uh, Pip Ballantyne does from the idea to the keyboard. 
weirdly enough, I usually go, I'm just drifting off to sleep and that's when I have the idea. So if I'm clever enough, I write it down and then go to sleep. If I'm not clever enough, I try and I think to myself, I'm going to remember that and then I wake up in the morning and I've forgotten about it. So <laughs> the, the motto of the, 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 the learning experience for this is always have something to write down right next to your bed, otherwise it's so, gone. So let's assume that you did have something written oh, down, yeah, something and you've written it down, and so now you have this idea by your bedside. Uh -huh. Now, you, are, Do you just run to the computer and start writing, or what's your process for preparing a story? My process, I usually try and think about the characters, their motivation, what, what they want in the world. Uh, then I imagine the end, and uh, then I just pants my way towards it. <laughs> <laughs> which I heard uh, Elizabeth Moon made me feel better because she said that it was called discovery writing and I was like, huzzah, there's a word for it. I'm not just making all of this stuff up. <laughs> so that's, that's generally my process. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, there, there, there you go. Uh, it's official. If Elizabeth Moon calls it discovery writing, it is so. <laughs> it is absolutely so. But, you know, the, the idea of, of having, again, you know, the, the, the Tumblr feed, the Pinterest board, the, 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 the pad of paper by the bedside. And, and this is really, I think, indicative of people who not only respect their creative process, but have spent time observing it and being aware of how they do what they do. And mm -hmm. they create circumstances and, and gather resources that allow them to maximize and, and capitalize on those peak creative moments, whether it's right before you go to bed or, or in your case, Ben, you've got your cell phone, you're good anytime. And when inspiration strikes, you can lock it down. Well, yeah, and in fact, um, the situation she talks about there is exactly how I found out that Google Keep was on my phone. <laughs> it was because I was trying to get to sleep, but I couldn't. My cell phone was right, I charge it right beside my bed, so I picked it up and kind of scrolled through my apps real quick to find a notepad type thing, and I found Google Keep and pulled it up and went, oh, this is cool. Bam. <laughs> I, I can use this. So, yeah, that... that you know, not being able to sleep at night because there's an idea poking around in your head. I, I totally understand that and have been uh, have suffered with that number of times. <laughs> but no more. Thanks to Google Keep. There we yeah. go. <laughs> and I, well, I think it's interesting that Pip talks about uh, starting off with a character. Yes, but it's usually a character that she. Uh, mm -hmm. But but she also uh, has an end in mind. Which is also, uh, again, not all discovery writers even can can <laughs> project can that, that far. Yeah. Can project that far. They don't always know where it's going to end. But she seems, you know, she uh, she has the character and she has the end, and it the discovery part is the in between. Yeah, which right. Is, not necessarily the same way that everybody else discovery writes. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think you're right. And and the cool thing about that is that, you know. Assuming that all story is character, and if you're starting, and, and she said very specifically that she's thinking about what they want, and, and yes. what their objectives and what their goals are, and so it's it's not easy, but with that as a, a compass, you can project an end point. Do they get what they want? Do they not get what they want? Or do they get it and the price, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can you can work all sorts of outcomes to that desire. And then, yeah, as she says, you can just waffle and, and, and pants and, and discover your way through to the end. <laughs> but that conclusion, by having that in your mind, makes for, I think, a stronger punch at the end and a very a much clearer goal to go for. Hmm. Yeah, I certainly. wonder how many times she uh, 
change the end has it in (laughs) mind and then it doesn't work out that way because as you say you know they could achieve it or not or or achieve it with consequence or whatever yeah my guess is every time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'm sure it waffles a little bit i i I would i would bet that 50 percent of the time i'll bet it's a it's a radically different ending because there's so much character discovery that happens even if you're an outliner there's Mm -hmm. so much character discovery that happens in the writing of those characters well yeah i mean i'm i'm a note card planner and uh so i plan with an array of generally 10 to 20 note cards put up on a wall and you know pretty much every time i'll note card out a story and then by the time i actually get to the end it's not the ending that i had originally (laughs) down on that note card so but that's the fun part that's exactly exactly i'm not i'm not saying that's a bad thing no i'm just saying it's a thing exactly (laughs) it's It's called creative (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly well and i've 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 heard so many of of my peers and colleagues lamenting that very fact uh, uh, and and there is a, a measure of frustration, especially when you you've done so much work ahead of time, uh, uh, to 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 not have it come together as you hoped it would. Uh, but mm-hmm. but man, you gotta let that go and and enjoy the roller coaster ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As uh, as Anton Vanko says in Iron Man Two, man, don't get so attached to things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anton. It's very true. It's very very true. <laughs> Well, next on our list is is Starla Hutchton, uh, and Starla's been having an incredible year. Uh, uh, she's been cranking out the Evolution series with Angel, Sage, and Hex, and oh my God, the covers for that, which she also did, gorgeous, yeah. uh, <laughs> and would look great as a triptych. I, I, when they come out as a triptych of artwork, I'm so buying that. Um, right. Also, the author of the Endure series, Maven, Nemesis, and Progeny, uh, she just launched a new series, Antigone's Wrath, uh, with the novel Masters of Myth, which looks utterly intriguing, uh, and another novel coming out soon, Shadows on Snow, uh, plus... As I mentioned, she does amazing cover art. So, so she's the she's the deadly package. She's the whole deal, people. Uh, let, <laughs> let let's see how Starla deals with her deals with her uh, creative process here. Lots of talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is usually both to myself, not kidding, in the car, plotting, talking to myself, um, but also to a few people that I have. I consider them creative sounding boards. So, say I have this idea, and like I'm not even sure if this is even interesting to anybody else. So I will usually ping one of three, four people and say, what do you think about this idea? Is this interesting to you? And they said either, yes, that sounds incredible, or I might want to work on that. So yeah, after I get the idea, I usually talk it out and flesh it out that way, both to myself in the shower or whatever (laughs) and both to my creative sounding boards that are really really instrumental in in helping me fill out the ideas further and making them awesome that's cool that's that that brings up uh, uh, another aspect of development that we haven't touched on yet um the, the idea of your support team and, yes. and your creative sounding boards and your the, the group of people that you trust enough with an idea that may totally suck. Uh, <laughs> but you, 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 you trust them enough to, to engage and pitch the idea and get their feedback and see if this is something that's worth pursuing. I, I, do you have that, Ben, in, in, your, in your sphere of writerly goodness? 
unfortunately, no, no, I don't really have anybody that I could. I <laughs> I go to uh, I go to Mary Ellen. There you um, go. Yeah. From time to time, and and you know, throw ideas at her. Um, but you know, that's pretty much it. And you know, if we're working opposite shifts, I I'm kind of you know yeah stuck in the mud. <laughs> yeah, on, <laughs> you know? on your own. It's about to change. Yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah so so i mean you know that i i de- it's definitely something that i would like to have but uh you know it's not something uh that i for some reason i don't know i've just never felt like i ne- i was able to ping any of my friends online for hey i've got the story idea i need to talk it out with you can you will you take five minutes you know yeah, or yeah. five hours rather well, um, <laughs> and i think that's a creative i think that's that's a, a very different creative process because I, I you know I, i'm very much the same way as, as shocking as that is given the fact that i host the roundtable podcast uh uh you know i i do actually i take that back i do have one or two friends that i'll bounce ideas off of but but in general i know that impulse to i want to work this out i want to work this through i want mm-hmm. to i you know i i, I can do this and it's not necessarily I can do this on my own. It's just it's it's not part of the creative cycle to to open it up and open it out like that. And that, and I think I, I think there's merit uh, a great deal of merit in in the the types of relationships that Starla has evolved in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's I think it's key when she talks about um, <clears throat> that she can bounce this idea off of them and they may come back with mm, need, <laughs> needs more work it's yeah. not to say that it's a bad idea it's just not fleshed out enough yet yeah so exactly. go back go back and start again so I, I again it's a case of having a group that you trust <laughs> and a group who trusts her to know that she can write a good story this this one this one just isn't ready yet and take the criticism Yes. Of honesty, and that's yes. that's the other part of it where the author really needs to be uh, uh, responsible in in these relationships that they cultivate. That honesty is is okay, and if it does suck, you can say so, and I will still call you, and we will still have lunch and whatever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. it's still it's about having a good story, isn't it? Yeah. Very so much you gotta so. you gotta thicken up your skin a bit. I totally agree. The other thing that I found interesting about Starla's response, uh, and, and I think it's very much in keeping with Starla's uh, personality, is the fact that there's a lot of actual verbal talking. It doesn't mm-hmm. all happen up in the brain and the squishy, thoughty, creative-y, timey-wimey stuff. There's actual words coming out of her mouth. And I have found on the roundtable and in my own life that trying to articulate something creates, not, not only does it help refine and nail down a thought, an, an amorphous, squishy thought, but it also fosters the connection between those amorphous, squishy thoughts and actual words, mm-hmm. which is a really good thing for a writer to have when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I thought that was really cool that, that there was actual, you know, and, and of course it's rambling, it's talking, it's just saying things and, and pinging off of stuff, but there is articulation and expression and uh that that refinement from idea to word, even before the first word hits the page, and I think that's cool. Yeah, and, and I've I've found a few times that um, when I've had a, a, a number of separate ideas, and I start actually kind of talking to myself and talking it out loud, for some reason, 
I don't know if it's hearing those words echo off the walls around you and come back <laughs> into your ears or if your brain's just working through it a different way because you're speaking it. But there's something about saying it out loud, just like you'll hear from people uh, that say, you know, read your drafts out loud to edit them. Right. You know, um, I think it is the same sort of thing with ideas where if you talk them out loud it engages some different section of your brain so that you can think through it differently because I found that it's helped with me before as well, you know, and, and I've had these separate things that all of a sudden I talk to myself out loud instead of just thinking them in my head. And I went, Oh, well that's how that connects to that. Duh. <laughs> you know? Yep. 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 I, I, I would imagine that there's some creative, there's some study somewhere I would hope about that. That's just awesome. Well, uh, I think it's part of uh, your learning your learning process too. Some people are visual learners. Mm-hmm. Some people are auditory learners. Yep. Yep. So, you know, d- depending on, on what type of learner you are, that's, that's what will work for you best. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I, I think then we kind of talked ourselves into, we, we don't necessarily have to have a, a, a group, but at least we'll talk more as we start sure. developing our stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Um, coming up next is Nobilis Reed. Uh, now, Nobilis is the author of Scouts and The Monster Whisperer. These are erotic stories, uh, uh, so so do be aware of that. Uh, uh, and he's written that and, and so much more. He's, he's very prolific. Uh, he's the editor of the Coming Together anthologies uh, and, again, so much more. Uh, he's probably one of the most literarily prolific people among our, our group of interviewees. Uh, so I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear what his response is. Uh, this is this is awesome, guys. Check this out. Okay. I actually have a process. When I get a story idea, I pull out my idea notebook and I write it down. Usually it's just a sentence, what if, and then some bit of something or other. That idea might sit in that notebook for months. When the idea notebook gets full, I take the notebook, and it's usually one idea per page because I leave lots of room for elaboration. When that, idea, when I, when that notebook gets full, I get a new notebook and start transcribing things. And if I don't feel as excited about it as an idea when I'm transcribing it, it doesn't make it into the second notebook. And I, and I keep doing that. And I'm on now, currently on my fourth notebook. There are some ideas in there that were originally inscribed in the first notebook, but kept on getting transferred over. And sometimes I'll see connections between two different pages on there, and they'll go both onto the same page because they're connected and they could do the same thing. And whenever I finish a project, I review the stuff in the notebook to say, okay, which of these things is exciting enough to be the next idea? And then I'll pull one out and cross it off and say, okay, I've started this, and that's when I'll start writing it. Now, at that point, there's another distilling process that goes on, because I can start writing something in my, uh, drop, and save it to my Dropbox folder, and I might either get stuck or not know how the plot's going to work or what kind of characters I've got, and it could sit there for months before I say, okay, this is the one I'm actually going to finish, and work on through till I've got the end of whatever it is. So there's this evolutionary process where new mutated ideas appear and have to kind of earn their place in, uh, in, my, works in, in my current work in progress. So my idea, my idea notebook probably has something like 100 ideas sitting in it. 
Um, and my works in progress folder has 10 or a dozen manuscripts that have got a paragraph, three pages. And then there's one that I'm actually working on. And I can feel very confident that that's a good idea because it's the cream out of a huge jug of whatever cream rises to. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I, I, I think we can pretty much say that 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 Nobilis's literature is is the equivalent of of twelve year old single malt scotch. Yeah, <laughs> that is an amazing yeah. process. Holy crap! Yeah, that is uh, quite a detailed uh, method of of distilling things down for sure. And, and I think that's important for somebody who. Who who has a you know a prolific brain like Nobilis who constantly is coming up with ideas? You do have to have a way of filtering them because sure. you can you can overload yourself as well. Like oh, I have so many ideas, I don't know what to do with them all. Well, that's a, a good way of doing it. Is you know let it sit, come back to it. If it still is as exciting as he says, mm-hmm. then it goes on to the next stage, and and that's how you keep distilling it down. So it makes absolute sense. Well, and it really is, you know, what we were talking about earlier about honoring your unique creative process, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the the idea of, you know, first of all, the, the the idea of the idea notebook is is very appealing. I think to just about anybody, any any creative soul, because. As you observed, Mary Ellen, there's there's that I have so many ideas. It's 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 it, it's stressful. It's oh my god. Well, write those bad boys down, and mm-hmm. and the fact that Nobilis does one idea per page, I think, is inspired because that allows you to to doodle in the margins and and draw lines and so on and so forth, and then let, it's it's not like after three months I dump it. No, after the idea book is mm-hmm. full, I transcribe it. Yeah. Which 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 also makes good sense. You don't have to worry about timing or or look checking your watch or should I dump this? No, I just turned the last page. Time to sit down at the computer and do this first filtering pass. Mm-hmm. And 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 that I can only imagine what a revelation that is, just in terms of you know who you were you know three or four months ago. We change, we evolve, uh, and and as you said, ideas become interesting and some ideas don't and the ones that actually make that cut have that sustainability and that staying power to to actually see you through the writing of a story or a novel yeah yeah and i really think that if it if that idea is sustained by the author the chances are that the idea is also going to be sustained by the reader absolutely Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because because as as you say, it's gone through so many cuts. It has it has sustained throughout uh, uh, those changes in your life, those changes in your perspectives. It has it has continuity. It has staying power. It has relevance above and beyond just a narrow temporal slice of time. So very cool. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, I, I so respect Nobilis and that process, and and the discipline that's required to execute that process. Uh, but then anybody who knows Nobilis knows that's not an issue for the man. The man is a writing machine. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and now for our final guest on the, on the one question extravaganza, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to finish strong with Mike Cole. Uh, Compton Crook award-winning Mike Cole, uh, author of the Shadow Ops series Control Point, Fortress Frontier, and Breach Zone, and I gotta say, for a man who who proclaims that fun 
is his nemesis and adversary. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun seems to happen when he's around. And and I don't know if that's if that's just the, the fun void and the universe hates it so it tries to fill it or the fact that Mike's actually a very fun guy. It's, um, it's just his curse. <laughs> it is his curse and his bane and, and we all endure it gleefully. So, so here's Mike's thoughts on the process here. If I'm having a good day, uh, I go right from the idea to the work. Uh, if I'm having a bad day, which unfortunately are more often than my good days, I experience what I call resistance, which is, oh man, you know, this is a great idea, but it's going to be a lot of hard work to implement. You know, here's this wooden character I've got to fix. Here's this plot point I've got to enumerate on. And man, writing is really hard. And I don't want to. I don't want to sit down and do all that work. I think I'll play iPad games or I'll go clean my apartment. Man, and uh, you know what? It isn't going to. The ideas aren't going to fix themselves, and the books aren't going to write themselves. So if I'm doing it right, I I get the idea, and I sit my ass down, and I get to work. <laughs> and that's and that's. That's Mike. Oh, that's Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and and I wanted to to make sure we followed up with that because because each one of these individuals that we've listened to, they have their unique process. Whether they're a discovery writer, whether they're an outliner, or something in between, uh, they all have their process, but they all have their discipline. And every one of them has written and published books because of that discipline. And and for all the creative awesomeness and and just just sheer. I'm not sure how Mike typifies his his novels, whether military fantasy or or urban epic fantasy or whatever. But the 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 sheer inventive nature of what he's infused in there, it doesn't happen without that discipline, without the sitting down, carving out the time, butt in seats, fingers on keyboards, and mm-hmm. that, that that's just that's an important thing to know. Uh, oh, I agree, hundred percent. I th- I think uh, Mike is probably one of the, he's probably not a pantser. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, but even still, um, I suspect that sometimes he surprises himself when he writes. I expect so too. I expect so too. I, I, and and you know, as Mike has pointed out, not necessarily in this interview, but in countless others, he's evolving with every story that he writes, with every chapter that he writes, and and I think that's that's an important process. That evolution happens. In the writing, as you go, it's not just your story that's evolving. It's not just the characters that are becoming more more dimensional and more engaging, but it's your own craft, your own ability to translate those squishy, squishy concepts and feelings <laughs> that you have in your brain and transcribing them into a story, not just words on a page, but a story that holds itself together and sustains from page one to page whatever. Uh, yeah. And 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 Mike Mike I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling Mike the Lash. Uh, <laughs> he, he's, he he really typifies that 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 sense of discipline. I think. Yeah, yeah. If if anything can be said about Mike, um, other than he's an amazing writer, he is definitely extremely extremely disciplined. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, it took him a long time to get to that. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you know to to get his discipline for his writing down and and get it he's worked a long time to get where he's at now you know and and i think he's got uh, a long career ahead of him i hope he i sure hope he does because he's he's an awesome guy he's an awesome Um, guy and he writes awesome stories yeah just superb and uh you know i'm he's got uh i think he's he's right now the next while he's looking at like a book a year which you know in 
in in a lot of publishing circles, that's that's a lot. That's fast. Yeah. You know. So well, and you look at five years down the road, and if he's if he if he meets that mark, and there's no reason to think he won't, uh, uh, you know, he'll have five additional books plus the Shadow Point or the Shadow Ops series uh, mm-hmm. uh, under his belt, and he'll have a canon of work. He'll have a body of Absolutely. work out there in the world, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Do you know what I think is really interesting in listening to all of these authors? Is uh, there, uh, and, and I've heard this before in, in, in authors in different interviews, and I, I tend to feel like sometimes uh, people who are discovery writers are almost apologetic about the fact that that's how they write. <laughs> and I really think that's really not fair because even an outliner does some discovery writing. Yeah. I don't think there's any outliner who sticks 100% to their outline. Mm-hmm. And and I just really think that, you know, the discovery writers out there need to lighten up. <laughs> or, it's or, okay to be a discovery writer. Take, it seems like it's working pride. really, really well for most of the ones that we've talked to. Absolutely. <laughs> take take pride in your process, whatever the process is. And, and, you know, if you've got a book at the end of it, you did it right. Holy yeah. crap! Yeah, right on. <laughs> Whether you right wrote on. naked on your head uh, uh, in squid ink on parchments flayed from baby calves, you got <laughs> the job done and you That's told right. the story. You got to the end. That's yeah. what counts. Yeah, which is which is more than ninety percent of of many writers get to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Res- and, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I definitely think uh, somebody should uh, get some T-shirts that say. Uh, uh, keep calm and pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and hand yeah. them out to some of our favorite uh, discovery writers That's out there right. that uh, you know kind of do have that slightly apologetic. Uh, I'm just a discovery writer. Well, hey, everybody is. That's a good thing. That's yeah. right. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. Well, that that brings us to the end of our of our story preparation from inspiration to keyboard. One question extravaganza, and and we found some really cool stuff in here. I mean, you know, the the foundation of character, the the the. Cult- understanding and cultivating your creative process and acknowledging that the the power of speech in terms of articulation of ideas into something tangible and usable so many different processes discipline i it's just this there's good stuff here this has been a great discussion oh yeah awesome discussion and you know that's the one thing that i love about these one questions is that you get to you get to see how the gears turn <laughs> And, uh, you know, you kind of get that little insight on how everybody else does what you do, um, you know, and and how they do it. And the idea that everybody's different and there's no prescribed way to do it certainly stands true. But this kind of this kind of exercise just shows you what the range of capabilities are. That's an excellent point. You're right. It, It affirms the uniqueness of everyone's process. And, and the fact that all those different processes can lead to a book, a finished story at the end. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, well, friends, the, the awesomeness continues. The, the epic fabulosity of the one-question format uh, is going to be sustained. This is like part one, where we, we, we've come up with this story idea, and then the story gets writ, and then what happens? Well, dear friends, <laughs> stay tuned. You won't have to wait long and switch over to the Reader-Writer podcast 
that Ben and Mary Ellen host where they examine speculative fiction from both sides of the page uh, and we'll continue this discussion and see how a, a cadre of awesome writers go from that finished first draft to, oh my God, what's next? Now, Ben, what's the uh, what's the URL for Reader Writer? Uh, it's readerwriter.ca. Okay, and you're also available on iTunes, is that correct? Yeah, we're on iTunes and a uh, number of other... Uh, number of other podcast stores uh, we're on pocket casts and and a number of other uh, podcatchers like that outstanding outstanding so friends do check them out even when they're not doing one question gloriosity uh, uh there's a lot of writerly goodness to be found at reader writer not only with the discussions between ben and mary ellen but at the fabulous guests they have on so so do check that out that's roundtable podcast endorsed reader writer podcast <laughs> there we go guys thank you so much for 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 joining me and 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 in the in this in this warm pool of of creative mojo that we've been frothing and this has been great well it's been great to, for us to be on and uh We'll be excited to join, have you join us in a couple of days on our own side of the, the show. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you guys are fabulous hosts. I always, I always have the best time when I head north to the Reader Writer Podcast. <laughs> All right, friends, that's it for us. Uh, the regular Roundtable Podcast feed picks up as usual. Uh, every Tuesday, more goodness for your writerly soul is poured out into the potosphere for your consumption. So, so do stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, whenever we see you, we'll see you. Until then, you guys stay cool, be frosty, and be awesome. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.